Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome back to our series on Romans. We're in week three, and we're, my wife and I, we're glad to be back um, from visiting. I see our, our grandson, Calvin, um, his one-year-old birthday there in Iowa, and it's a, br- a really beautiful time of year is this time of year there in the fall. Um, everything's green and, and whatnot, and it's not nearly as humid as it is the other 11 months out of the year. Um, but this little guy now is walking, and uh, when I first got there to see him walk right over to Chris and want to get with her, and it, it, it was pretty special. So we, we had some good times there. But I also understand that you guys had some good times here with... Um, Pastor Tim Clements, and he just brings an incredible story. Um, it's interesting how the Lord works, because all of you all know my story, me and Chris, and where we've been these last few years. And to hear somebody go through nearly the most identical story, but in his, his venue, so to speak, in his life, and neither one of us knew what is going on. It's like it was crazy how the Lord was able to bring him in, and so he and I am able to have coffee here and there, and and um, and I'm I'm just I'm blessed by him. I'm glad he got to share some of his story, and also got to share some of <clears throat> what it's like to be a youth today versus trying to be a youth like us back when the days of the dinosaurs were. It's different, isn't it? The kids have a completely different world that they face than we do. But I'll tell you what's common. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. Spiritual warfare was there for us, and spiritual warfare is there for them. So we need to pray to the Holy Spirit for all of our kids. Whether they're still in the house or not in the house, we still need to pray for them. Amen? Well, if you're listening by podcast, want to say thanks for joining, and also... Pray that today's message would help you take your next step closer to Jesus. So, so far in this series, we've talked a lot about sin. We've talked a lot about Jesus and the power of the gospel. And as you know, God has saved you from sin and from death through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. But God didn't just save you from sin only. To have you wait patiently down here until his son Jesus returns. Do you know sometimes we believe that? We get saved and then we think we're expected to show up to church and do this and do this. Is he coming this week? Is he coming? That's not what it's about. Do you know he wants us to live life abundantly until he comes? He wants us to have freedom from sin, to pursue righteousness. Now, living a righteous life demands that we first give up or that we die to our old way of living. This pursuit is a daily decision and a daily commitment 
to saying no to the things we should say no to and saying yes to the things that we should say yes to. That is a daily commitment. And the more the old things in my life die, the old things that in your life die that are not of God, well, the more we become alive to the new things that God wants to do in us and then through us. The pursuit of righteousness, it's not a sprint. It really is a marathon. Anybody here old enough to say, I've been a Christian longer than most of these young people. And you would say, and I'm still not there yet. This is a pursuit. It's a marathon. Why is that important? Stop beating up on yourself. We're fighting some really serious stuff. And if you're trying to fight your Christian life alone, it's just not a great way to go about it. It doesn't work. It's a great way to fall. Well, let's turn with me to Romans chapter 6, and we're going to start reading there in verse 1. But before I go to read that to us, I, I want to give us an understanding to, to what Paul's telling us. I mean, the first two words says this, Well, then... Well then, what are you talking about? He's referring to what he just talked about in chapter 5. He's saying, here's my conclusion because of what was said earlier in chapter 5. So it's not on in your text, it's not in your, in your bulletin, but it's right here in this little phone of mine. So I'm going to read some of it to give us an idea. So in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, now who's the one man? Adam. Yeah. Judgment came to all men. Can you imagine that? Because this one guy ate the apple. Did you know because of what he did, it impacts you and your kids, your grandkids? I mean, forever generations. Judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous acts... The free gift came. What's the free gift? Salvation. To all men. And the word men here is meaning all humanity. Not guys. Everybody. Resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, we call that the second Adam. We also call him Jesus. Many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so, here comes the word again, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here is where Paul is picking up. He, he's talking about this whole dynamic between Adam, what he did wrong, and what Jesus did to correct what Adam had done wrong. Ha, dealing with sin and all of that ramification. And then he brings up this whole subject, this whole matter about the power of grace. 
And then he says, well then, because he's about to say, let me give you the flip side of this. Since there's incredible grace, I now have a special license in my back pocket that I can go sin anywhere and everywhere because grace abounds. And that's where we pick up with Paul saying, if you think that way, this is what Paul says. So he goes, well then, should we keep on sinning? So that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined, catch this, when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined Him in His death. What does that mean? I went and got water baptized. And therefore, when I drowned in the water to my old self and to my old ways and to my old core values, to my sinfulness, then I was resurrected up out of the water in brand new life with a whole new core value system, with a whole new way of thinking. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also live new lives. Since we have been united with Him in His death, we will also be raised to life as He was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. Somebody say amen. That's a good one. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with Him. Verse 9. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead. and He will never die again. That's important. That means even though you, you or somebody you know or somebody else who knows somebody else, it doesn't matter who it is, guess what? Christ isn't going to the cross again for you. He's done. It is finished. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Now, in this passage, there's just so much to unpack. What I love about Paul in the whole book of Romans is you get this incredible systematic theology. You get all this in-depth theology that even takes us all the way back to Adam. And it puts it all together so we can understand it. It's where we get from Martin Luther, right? We get the justification by faith. And it comes from Paul. He's telling us what Christianity is all about. I want us to focus on the image Paul paints about how it relates to Christ and offer some biblical guidance when it comes to living a righteous life. The Bible makes it clear. God loved us. John 3.16 To send His Son Jesus Christ to earth to be at our level. To experience the same temptations, right? Right? 
Didn't he? He went on to the desert after being water baptized with John. Yet without sinning. You know why that was so important? That Jesus, after being baptized by his cousin John, goes out that he would be out there in the desert, that he would be tempted by the same three temptations that the first Adam was tempted, and he would not sin. And now he was qualified to be called the second Adam. And now he would be qualified to become the Lamb of God. And now he would be qualified to die as a sacrifice, as the Lamb of God on Passover for my sins, for your sins. For everybody you love and even the people you don't. Because of this sacrifice, Paul says, we are now united with Christ in Jesus' death. But what does it mean to be united with Christ in his death? I mean, I wasn't there at the cross. I, I mean, I didn't get flogged. Neither were you. United with Christ. United with Christ. One of the keys to understanding this passage is in verse 2. When he says, should we go on sinning in verse 1, right? And then the answer is verse 2. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Paul's making the point that when we repented of our old life and turned our backs to sin and to death, we became something new. Obviously, a life of sin isn't exactly fulfilling in any way at all. As somebody who's on death row, was all the sin worth it? They would tell you no. Unfortunately, many people have spent years walking in darkness. And a lot of them going to church every single Sunday. And those of you who have turned from sin, you know the difference between living united with Christ versus living in darkness with evil, with sin. You know the difference. Let's look at Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It says the wages of sin... Is death. It's not a good life. It's not an abundant life. It's not anything. It means you work 40 hours a week, you get 40 hours of a paycheck. You do sin, Marvin, that wage for you will be death. No substitutes. A life of sin is no way to live a fulfilled life. In fact, the only payment acceptable for sin is death. 
you could strive and work really hard to be nice and kind to others around you your whole entire life and you still will come up short to pay the payment for sin for all have sinned and come short of the glory of god guess what all your niceness and kindness i'm glad you are still doesn't pay well i just don't feel like it doesn't matter it's not what i feel it's what it is christ paid the payment i have to embrace that so I'll be free from being a slave to sin. See, there's still good news. The good news is that where Jesus is, is where Jesus comes in. Because of his sacrificial death and being sinless, the curse of sin has been broken. And again, here we go in Romans, you know, back to chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. My salvation is not in my baptism. My salvation is in my belief in Jesus Christ and my confession of my sins. What does that mean? That means I'm acknowledging that I'm full of sin. I was born a sinner. So were you. And when I get water baptized, I'm going publicly and saying, hey, here's my testimony. I am dying to my sin and as a slave to sin. And I'm being resurrected by the power of God. And because of this, this is an outward appearance, a model, an image of what spiritually took place inside of me because of what Jesus did. And I embrace that. Verse 4, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Now, now maybe you're thinking, this is kind of confusing. Well, you're not alone. But here's the key I think Paul needs us to understand from all of, all of this. Because we were united with Christ, we're dead to sin which means we are no longer slaves to sin. We don't have to be slaves to sin unless we want to be. And because we're no longer slaves, we now are free. Free to live the abundant life Christ references in John 10 10 you guys remember it's not in your notes but there it says the thief comes to us to steal to kill and destroy Jesus because how do we know it's in red letters right he says I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly he wants us to have not only life but to have it abundantly wow the Bible says that my old, that your old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. But I wasn't even born yet. He took care of it because he knew you would be born. Therefore, our old sins were meant to stay on the cross. How many of us have gone back to the cross and pulled down that one sin that we thought nobody would see and we yanked it and we put it back in our pocket? Because we like that one sin, maybe two or three. He said he's only dying once. 
We don't get to put them back up on the cross again. What's that sin in my life? What's that sin in your life? That you keep yanking. Put it back on the cross. Take it off the cross. Put it back on the cross. Yank it off the cross. Well, I'm an old person now. It don't really matter anyways. I think God's a little bit older than you. And I think it still matters to Him. We've got to be careful. Careful of going back to something that's not good for us. Go with me to Proverbs 26, verse 11. This is Solomon who wrote the books of Proverbs. He wrote this for his son to read. For a life lesson, as a, as a manual for life, he wrote the book of Proverbs for his son. And he says this to his son. As a dog returns returns to its vomit so a fool repeats his foolishness so when i go back to the cross and i yank down a sin of mine i'm no better than a dog licking up my own vomit wow i believe god desires to show us what is the best way to live life and and that he sent christ to be that perfect model of how to pursue righteousness The way we live a righteous life is by seeking to learn from Jesus. He was and is the perfect picture of righteousness. And the good news is that God used and still uses those who are trying to figure it out. God uses people who many would say are not qualified to be used by God. And yet he says, oh, they are just perfect i'm going to use that one god in all of his grace and all of his mercy still used each and every one of them male and female young and old and he still uses the unqualified today he still uses you if you are in a place where you're losing your hope you're losing your edge your drive He's not done with you yet. Stop giving up. Fight. But I, but I, no, no, no. They had all the excuses too. And God still used each and every one of them and He'll still use you and He'll still use me. Doesn't matter if we're not perfect, folks. God is still showing us how to live a righteous life. Ultimately, it comes down to a constant day-by-day choice. Will I continue to pursue the things of this fallen world, or will I pursue the things of righteousness? Will I continue to go back to the old life of sin? Or will I embrace the new life I have in Christ? Have you ever noticed it's, you've been a Christian for a long time? It's kind of easy to kind of nudge and say, ah, this is no big deal. It's not a big deal. I'll, I'll just do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's like the alcoholic. I'm just going to drive by the old bar. 
No, I'm just going to see if Joe's in there and say hi. I haven't talked to him in a long time. Next thing you know, you're up on the stool. Next thing you know, you go, Hey, George, give me a brewski. It's easy to, to slowly, subtly give up. Just be careful. Don't give up. Live a righteous life. In Matthew 6.33, we all know, those, know this one. Seek ye first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He will give you everything you need. Jesus invites us to seek. To seek first His kingdom, His righteousness. Because He knows when we do that, we will find the best life imaginable. But one lingering question kind of remains, doesn't it? Even if we make the decision to, to chase after the things of God, here comes the question. What, what does righteous living really look like? What's it look like? How do I live a righteous life? Do, do I have to live life like a nun? Like a a, a, a priest? Paul makes it clear that a good starting place is to start paying attention to my old value system and seeing, does it have any place in me right now? Right now. The good part is that we are no longer that old person I don't have to embrace their ways anymore because that's not me. Have you ever seen that? One of the fun things of going to Adult Teen Challenge is go to one of their, the, the, these incredible you know, dinners and stuff, and all of a sudden you'll begin to notice something. They come up, the students and they, and they'll, or even the graduates, and they'll say, this is how I used to be. And it's, it's a horrendous story. It's heartbreaking. And you look at them and you're going, no way were you like that. I can't see that in you. And they go, oh no, I was like that. I, I'm being nice because they said I can't say all of the stuff. And then they say, then I met Jesus. I really encountered Him. Not a... Not because it was a building. I mean, I had this, something changed in me. And, and now, this is how I live. And it's nothing like that person. I, I don't want to do that anymore. I, I hurt myself. I hurt others. It was horrible. But boy, pursuing this, I, I just wish I had more time. I'll never go back. But if we don't pay attention, hello, ancient Christian, if you aren't paying attention, you'll be a gossip. You'll be stingy. You'll be critical. You'll be criticizing this and criticizing that and talking about your kids and talking about them and talking about that. Talking about pastor, talking about them talking about the politician before you know it, you're opening up the door 
And there's this darkness inside of you. And before you know it, your testimony of this is starting to go to the testimony of this. It's a pursuit of righteousness that has to happen every single day. I I am not perfect at this. And everybody in the room said amen. amen. How about you? Second Corinthians 5.17 This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. That's church. That's adult teen challenge. That's salvation army. Used to be old. Encountered Jesus. Now new. New creation. Wow. Paul calls it a new person, a new creation. Though we may be tempted to go back to the old way of thinking and the old way of being, living a righteous life requires us to live, to leave the sinful past in the past. As we move forward, I believe the key principle to to constantly cling to the power and to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I really hope you're hearing me when I say this. Because I don't know what your background is. If you have a liturgical background, if you come from a Baptist background, if you come from a Lutheran background, a Presbyterian, a Nazarene background, if you come from a background, you're going to, like that, you're going to hear it this way. You come from a Catholic background, you're going to hear the word Holy Spirit this way. If you come from a different camp, you're going to hear the name Holy Spirit completely different. But how about we just hear, how does God say the Holy Spirit is? Not an institution. What does the Word of God say? Galatians 5, 25 Again, Paul wrote this book. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. You know, laws are put in place to enforce limitation and restrictions. The speed limit says 55 miles an hour. What is that? That is a limitation. Catch that? Laws are to confine you to behave a certain way. They restrict you. So when we look at love, say it with me, love. Wait, wait, let's get it to go back. Here we go. Ready? Begin. Love. Stop right there. Just stop. Gentleness and self-control. Catch this. Do you have to have a law and say, nope, we're going to put a limitation on joy. You're only allowed to have this much joy. You're only allowed to love your kids this much. We're going to put a restriction on it. Patience, no, 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 too much patience, let it go. Did you, did you catch this? When you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life and you are doing all of these things, the gentleness, the self-control, the joy, the patience, when you look at this kindness, 
you go, there's no, there's no law telling me I can't be nice and kind. There's no restrictions. There's no limitations. I get to be, do as much as I want. I can get drunk on it if I want. Give it to me. Load me up. I want a second dose of kindness. Give me a third of patience. Load me up. Load me up. There's no stopping all that you want to do in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's when we move outside of the Holy Spirit that the law has to come in place. That the limitation and the restrictions have to be there. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in just a few parts of our lives. Oh, then how come we're living like what I said? Oh, it got quiet in the room again. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. As we walk with the Holy Spirit, there will be certain fruits, as, as, as Paul tells us, that will be produced in our life. People will be able to see it. They'll see patience in you and kindness and love and joy and gentleness and self-control. When you're spending time with the Holy Spirit, it comes out. As a matter of fact, I see your Father's eyes in you. Your Heavenly Father will ooze out of you. People will go, what's with you? You're different. What? The fruit of the Holy Spirit. If we're looking for a list of things which God really cares about, we just found them here in Galatians chapter 5. You want what God thinks is important? Go to that list. Go to that list. We're set free because of the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus did on the cross to live a righteous life. But we are not expected to walk in a new life and to be able to do this new life alone. God knew we couldn't go it alone. That's why He sent us a helper. In the Greek, paraclete. It's an advocate. Listen to what Jesus tells His 12 disciples here in John 16, verse 7. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Jesus is saying, it's best that I go away. Why? Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. See, Jesus had to leave so that the Holy Spirit, the advocate, could come so that he could help us with what we couldn't do on our own. Have you ever noticed there are certain things in your life that it's absolutely no issue, no problem for you? And there's other things in your life you're like, I just can't get victory on this thing no matter what. It's been 20 years and I still, still don't have a grip on this part. 
And then you look at somebody else and they go, I don't have a problem with this at all in my life. Now that over there I do have a problem with. Why? Because based on your life and your life experiences and how you grew up, certain things will bother you a whole lot more than they would bother me or somebody else. And then vice versa. So you need something that's unique to help you and unique to help me, unique to help them. That's the Holy Spirit. He's the one size fits all. Now, when you hear, when you hear Jesus, you hear the, the term the advocate, the helper, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. It, it's all the same. It's, it's, it's just the Holy Spirit. It's the third part of the Trinity. Okay? Don't be confused by that. The Holy Spirit's job is to empower you. Is to guide you. Is to help you in this journey of faith. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit's job is to empower, to enable, to guide you, to help you in this journey of faith. You don't have to walk your life of Christianity alone. Have you ever seen somebody do that? Come on, old Christian. Has any of them ever been successful? No doesn't work we're designed for fellowship not only with one another but with the holy spirit the pursuit of righteousness is not to be sought out alone god knew we would need extra help and an extra hand that's why he sent the divine re divine reinforcements in the shape of the holy spirit so here is how we're going to conclude has anyone here ever moved before i mean like you packed up a dorm room and you moved back home you packed up an apartment and you moved to a house you packed up a house and you moved across from iowa to lodi have you ever packed up a business and moved to a different location i'm telling you for those who have ever had to move the one thing you want more than anything are friends. Uh, yeah, tell me amen. You know what I'm saying? You need as many able young bodies as you can and a lot of pizza and Gatorade. It's work. You are not designed to move alone. And you know what? You're not designed to live life or to move in life. To go from darkness to light, you're not designed to do that alone. To go from unrighteousness to righteousness, you're not, a, you're not to do that move alone. So maybe what you need to do is, hey, there's Men's Life Journal on Monday nights. Don't do it alone. Hey, there's Women's Bible Study on Tuesday in the morning and in the evening. Bring your questions. Bring your successes and your failures and say, hey, I'm drowning over here. Need some help. 
That's what Christianity is about. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. But if I'm not spending time in His presence, then I don't hear what He wants me to hear. I, I, I don't sense what He wants, wants me to do. My heart becomes callous, becomes hard, becomes bitter. There's this guy I know, he likes to use the word intentionality. And if you're not intentional about your daily faith with God, how many know what it's like when you're not intentional with God? I do. The pursuit of righteous living is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It takes time to rewire our old ways of thinking. You know what else takes time to rewire? Have you ever wired something, Dave, and you put the wrong ones together? I, I do too. Not only does it arc, but sometimes it, it works, and we don't know why it works, but it's wired wrong. Now you have to undo the whole thing to try to figure out how to put it back together again. And when you've been hurt, when you've been taken advantage of, when you've been betrayed, when you've been broken because of what happened by somebody you love, all of a sudden the wires in your heart are broken and they're twisted and somehow there's just enough there to function to get through the day. And it's only the Holy Spirit who can take it all apart and rewire it all back appropriately. So you get the full charge of energy. And you can go in life with vitality and live the abundant life God's called us to live. Have you ever been angry with God? I have. My wire's got to be pulled out put together correctly. Why? Because I can't see it. I put it wrong to begin with. How am I to be the one to fix it? I need my advocate. I need my helper. I need the Holy Spirit who can bring me the gifts of the fruit of the Spirit that I could see correctly. I need a power stronger than any energy drink, any Red Bull. I need a power more powerful than any motivational speaker or some TED speech. See, pressing into the Holy Spirit begins with prayer. Share your concerns, your questions, everything with the Lord through intentional and focused time in His presence. Practice being silent and listening. Can you sit in silence? Close your eyes? And tell your mind to shut up? Just listen? Tell your heart to calm down? To just be in His presence? So you can hear Him? What are we hearing? 
What are, what are you feeling? Do, do you catch the gentle nudge of the Holy Spirit? Here's the last one. Make sure you talk with others that you can trust. There's something about us as we get older, we don't like going to other people. What do we need more than anything? Somebody to speak truth to us, to confirm or to tell us we're out of line. But I'll tell you what, I got enough gray hair for most of you. I'll do it myself like a little two-year-old. But what do I need? I need to be able to trust somebody. Tell them that they won't throw it back at me, that you won't throw it back at them. Well, Father, we come before you. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Lord. We need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We need to stop trusting that we have enough in ourselves, in our own skill set. Like a preschooler, we want to say, I'll do it myself. God, help us to stop acting immature when we should be eating steak and we're drinking bottles. God, help us that we would be strong in the fundamentals of our faith. That we would pursue righteousness. That we would understand what did Christ do for me. That I would be joined with Him. Not only in His death, but in His resurrection. And He gets all the praise. He gets all the glory. Oh, Father. Oh, how You love us. Oh, how You love us. Help us to love that way. Help us to forgive ourselves where we come up short. Help us to forgive those that have hurt us, whether they meant to or not. Help us. Help us, Holy Spirit. Be our advocate. God bless your people, I pray. Guide us, guide us, guide us. Help us to live by the fruits of the Spirit out of Galatians 5. Because there is no laws restricting or limiting the fruits of the Spirit. Bless your people this week. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.